Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what. And the amazing thing in interviewing my guests, and I've been doing this now for about four years, is that no one has the same story. Everybody has a story. I find it incredibly amazing that there are so many stories that people can learn from, be encouraged by, be motivated by, and each guest has one of those stories. Some of my guests have survived incredible circumstances. And whatever they have gone through, what I see is that the result is a passion. And this passion is to help other people who may be going through something similar. Some of them have, ex have survived extreme poverty or abuse. Some have had to overcome serious depression or disease. But each one of them has had to fight to survive in their own way. And they want to share their story to help somebody else. That is the thread that runs through these stories and connects them. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries, and it still maintains the number one rank on Google for the subject of hope. Isn't that exciting that people helping people and shared all over the world? So I thank my guests, of course. I also thank my listeners, because without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. So please continue to send in your feedback and your remarks. And if you have a story and want to be on Never Ever Give Up Hope, just contact me. With me today, I have Derek Miller. Derek is coming to us today from Baltimore, Maryland, where he grew up. He is an author, a motivational speaker, and he is reaching his generation, which are black, male, and female millennials. When I first read his pitch to me about being on this show, it thrilled me to know that there is someone who is going to be approaching this subject from a positive perspective. And I know that's what we're going to get from Derek today, and that's exciting. He has written two books. The first one is called The Little Black Book. Miscommunications of the Millennial Black Male. And it was written to inspire hope, to inspire faith, to a generation of men who feel there's little hope for them. They are fighting an uphill battle, which Derek is going to share with us. 
His books are designed to guide and direct millennials as well as igniting their dreams. I love the way he worded that. Igniting their dreams despite their negative circumstances. So welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Hi, Derek. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. This is going to be exciting. Now, as a young boy growing up in, I'm assuming, the inner city Baltimore? Yes, ma'am. You had a lot of pressure trying to help your younger siblings. Now, can yep. you can you tell us about your childhood and why that was an issue for you? Um, for growing up, uh, I had a two-parent home. Um, we, you know, lived as best as we could. Um, my parents, my, my dad uh, was uh, the provider of the home. He worked two to three jobs um, at a time sometimes. And uh, no matter what, we always... He always tried to provide the best way possible. Um, but at times we weren't able to, um, to one point that we didn't have our own home. Um, and we had to stay with my grandmother and, you know, we had to, you know, try to make ends meet the best way we could. During that process as well, um, as a teenager dealt with my mom with, uh, she was clinically diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. Okay. And we dealt with that where, you know, sometimes she would have episodes and she'll be in and out the hospital, things of that nature um, for, you know, for long periods of time. So um, it was it it was pretty much me growing up faster than most people, the average person would. Let me stop you here for a second and ask you a couple questions before you continue. First of all, were you the oldest? Yes, I am the oldest. And how many uh, how many siblings were there? Uh, two. Now you said your your mom had bipolar. Let's just talk about that for a little bit because yep. there are people who deal with this. Yep. So, from a child perspective, what did you you know what did you have to deal with? And then how when she got help? It was a lot of different manic episodes. It was a lot of different at times different personalities. Not really sure understanding. I guess. Uh, if it's really, if I, am I really talking to my mother or am I oh, really okay. talking to someone else? Right. At times it was, it was trying to, as a child, trying to understand, okay, who am I talking to? Or, Aww. you know, which person am I getting today? Um, so it, it, it was difficult to try to deal with or understand as a child um, or a teenager, not really, you know, not really knowing anything about bipolar, how it, how this whole thing is. Until, you know, as I got older, then I, you know, did my own research, started to understand. Um, But as a child, you don't you don't really understand the whole grips of someone that's dealing with mental disorders and, you know, personality disorders and such. Did you have to deal with with anger? A lot of that. Okay, so how did you deal with that as a young boy? A lot of it was just built up in aggression for me um, because I one, I didn't understand. I I felt as though it was just a, a, a thing of. How do I express the things that I'm dealing with? Um, okay. Just wasn't sure of how to go about. Um, one of the biggest things that helped me as I went along was I started to kind of just write. Um, writing was my my scapegoat. Really? Writing allowed me to be able to express myself when even when someone else, even if I didn't feel like someone else understood where I was coming from. So that was for me to relieve all the thoughts, all the things that was going in my head and my heart and I just laid it out in on 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 paper and you know just really was able to um just get it out uh so that that was my my relief 
of, of relieving all the anger, um, all the things that I had inside of me because a, a big part of it, I just, I don't, as a, as a teenager or, you know, growing up to become a teenager, I didn't feel like I needed to have to step up to the plate and have to take care of my siblings, you know, while my dad is working and my mom's in the hospital. I felt as though that was a lot to take on <laughs> at 11, 12, 13 years old. It didn't feel fair, did it? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And yet you didn't rebel. No. <laughs> okay. Not Why not? not? Why didn't you um, rebel? What, what, how, how did you maintain that with your anger and, and all the issues that you had to deal with? The motivation was my siblings because of the fact that even though, yeah, we had both parents given our situation, they looked up to me. So I felt as though it was important to overlook of how I felt and what I wanted to do um, and make sure that they were good. That was always my that was always my motivation, just making sure that they were always good. No matter uh, what things I needed to do, it was, it was times that I you know, I had to do my little sister's hair or um take walk my brother and sister to back to forth to school and had to go to had to take them with me to go to the market just different things and it was you know after a while it started you know I it was more less of me and more making sure that they're always in a good position no matter what situation we were in they were just my motivation of, to keep going and ensuring that they still even though we're going through this difficult time in our life um, that they still had the best possible. That must have been a re like you said earlier, a lot for a young man to carry. And I am so impressed that you were able to maintain that because you also chose to walk the straight and narrow. Yeah. When it would have been easier to go out and get involved with any number of things. Right, right, right. Yep. And yep. you feel that it was strictly your responsibility of taking care of your siblings. Was there anything else that gave you strength? Definitely. I had a lot of mentors grow, growing up as well. Um, they they definitely poured into me. They definitely gave me a lot of wisdom. And also when I felt as though I didn't have anybody else, I can go to them and invent as much as I needed to as well. Honestly, I, I, I don't think without them, I would be where I am as well in, in this point in my life. Uh, and, and being just, you know, an inspiration and being a help or influence to others um, without them. So I, they were a big part of my life. Still, are, and still, still to this day are. Um, and I, I think that's important for anyone to have, you know, definitely have mentors that that will are willing to take you under their wing to help guide you. Um, and I have a, a, a load full of women and men in my life that just give me so much wisdom and guidance to help me to deal with certain situations, to avoid certain situations, to also just becoming a better man. So th that was definitely key. Well, I suppose that... I'm assuming this now that your siblings are now that they are older that they understand what you did for them. Oh yes, must be Absolutely. very grateful. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, while you were going through this, what was your dream? What did you see yourself doing? <laughs> I always see myself wanting to go to the NBA. <laughs> Is that right? My, and how far did you? Goal. How far did you make it? Um, I played up to high school. After that, I was done. 
Okay. <laughs> I gave up on that dream. And a lot part of it, I, I, I mean, I, I was pretty decent. I'm not going to say I was the best, but I was pretty decent. Um, I, the biggest thing was ensuring that um, my, my siblings got, got what they needed. No matter what, it, it was a long stretch of the time period of the time when my mom w- was back and forth in, in the hospitals and things of that nature. So, you know, for me, it was just like, that's important. I, I'll, I'll put everything else on hold to make sure that they get through school, that they um, are able to to get to where they want to be in their lives. And I can come back to get, to, you know, get to the point where I want to be in my life, which which it, it actually came came to be that way. You know, my sister now is she's a college graduate lives in california now my brother he is in college right now and he is in his junior year of college and and obtaining his bachelor's degree so you know to given that the circumstances what we dealt with and and there has been people have dealt with far worse situations than we've had Mm -hmm. um but the fact that you know we didn't allow those that that situation to get the best of us and i and it started with me and being able to, you know, continue to push and move and want to do better so that they can have better and do better for themselves as well. So that that was definitely um, important to me. Well, my hat is off to your parents because no matter what was going on, obviously they raised three young people correctly. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, yes, you know, you are a great testimony as to... Mm-hmm. You don't have to live in the negative, even when those circumstances may be. And I know it's what you're going to talk about when you address uh, the two books that you have written. Yes. But the pity parties that we often throw for ourselves are not well attended. I know that you probably had a few of those, and rightly so, but you didn't stay there. You left the party, and you found a way to better your life, to better those lives of people around you, and not just stop there, but to continue to help others better their lives too. And that's that's what this show's about. So let's fast forward now. What do you see, with hindsight of course, some of the issues that young men of color are faced with today, possibly different than what you went through and possibly the same? One of the biggest things I feel like um, we're automatically judged uh, just because of the color of our skin. Um, a lot of times, you know, and, and it's not with everyone or anything like that, but for me, I'm speaking for myself. Of I'm course. in a, a managerial role, and a lot of times I get looks, you know, and when I'm in certain meetings mm-hmm. and things of that nature, and it's like, you know, what is he doing here? And, and plus, I'm, I'm 28 years old, so I'm a young black man at that. Um, and and sitting in rooms with among senior executives and and those things and it's like sometimes it, it does make you feel uncomfortable and to art to automatically have that that thought um, or even you know just maybe driving around and getting pulled over by the police that's one of the biggest things that yes um, you know we we deal with on a regular you know we could just be walking minding our business and getting pulled over. Or, you know, getting stopped by the police, you know, for something that is irrelevant. Um, so, you know, those type of uh, just just already being judged without really understanding the backstory of our lives. Um, I think that's the biggest one of the biggest challenges that we deal with. You know, that's impossible for 
that is virtually impossible for someone like me to understand. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I'm not sympathetic because I certainly oh, yeah. am. I grew up in Detroit and so I do and this was many years ago and I really don't see anything changing from then till now. Wow. And I think a lot of it is, and I could be totally wrong, but I think there's a lot of fear on both sides that yep. motivates some of those feelings. Yep. You know, the white um, people being afraid of the black and the black people being afraid of the white, you know, yeah. because yeah. of the circumstances, like, just as you mentioned. Right. Now, that is probably something that will never, ever change, which is very, very sad. But, yes. but, but, but. There are people like you who have a voice, who are using yes. their voice, and you're not doing it from a position of hate oh, or, yes. yep. or prejudice yep. or any other negative emotions. So right. my first question is, uh, well, you did, you did say some of the issues that, um, that you are dealing with. So you did already mention what some of the things that you are faced with today, which yep. are, as we both agreed, hasn't changed much. What do you think can bring change? I think the biggest thing is us collectively coming together um, as not, not even just as a race, but as a, as a society, just getting past the stereotypes i think that's the biggest yes, thing. That, you know, yes um and the social media has brought definitely uh widened the the thoughts of you know this is what this particular culture is like and this is what this and it's and honestly we're all humans um and 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 at the beginning you also said one of the things that you know we all have a story so if we all actually really understood the stories the backgrounds the things that we encountered throughout our lives with some in some way shape or form we actually all connected um so absolutely it, it's, it's it's essentially really coming together unifying and understanding that we're we're all just we're all the same person just in, we're in different bodies and we all have different things that different things that we encountered but we all some way shape or form we actually can touch one another and be a blessing to one another as well. So uh, that's 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 my biggest thing to that. Now, one of the things as you were talking that I I'm wondering about, and I totally agree with you, and I applaud you for your efforts. But do you find in your own community that that is not necessarily shared? In other words, yes. do you know there are many who probably think that you're nuts. And and why why should you care about you know white man or whatever? Um, right, do you right. do you deal with that as much as you deal with the other? Yes, ab absolutely. I, I, and I think it does start. It does start with each one. It starts within our own community. Um, and that's one of the things that I strive to do as far as uplifting young black men. You know, younger uh, my age and younger, just because I see the importance of what unity does it not only just brings us together but it also sheds a light on you know it, it pass it passes all the thoughts of um of judgment so you know i think it's important for us to all come together as a community first and and love one another first and then you know as we start to love one another we're we'll start to accept certain things outside of our race 
we'll start to you know be able to open up to things but it all starts with it all starts with you and one of the biggest things that i always um a a statement that i always make is you know do you want to be the one to start the chain reaction you you may be crazy for starting it but the thing is you don't know how many lives you'll touch even if it's one that one could touch another one and it just starts a domino effect and i think that you know if we have that, uh, then we'll notice a change throughout our world. Honestly, we would definitely notice a huge change. Um, but the, the thing is, everyone has to be willing to want to change. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Now, before we talk about your books, what kind of business are you in, Derek? Currently, I, I work in IT. Um, okay, okay. I, I, am, I, I work with computers all, mostly all day. Um, and then... On the side, I tried to inspire others. Oh, perfect. That's not on the side. That's your priority, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, okay, ma'am. so let's talk about your books now. The first one is The Little Black Book. Tell me how you came up with that title as well. Miscommunications of the Millennial Black Male. One of the biggest things I realized with the millennial generation is we don't read a lot. Uh, well, most of us don't read a lot. So I wanted to really um, be impactful, but I wanted to be simple and, and not complex. Uh, so I, I felt as though something small, something, you know, um, that has a lot of details but mm. you know, and insight um, that many will be able to just read, you know, within a few hours a day. For me, it was it was taking all the wisdom and guidance I got from my mentors, men, and applying it to, um, to other lives. Uh, I felt as though it's not fair for me to be be the only one to have all this information and all this wisdom that they're giving me i need to share to other people and i feel like that's also a part of my purpose it you know it's so many others that are wanting to get into the position that i i am in um but they they don't know how to because they don't have the uh, resources or things that they need and, and set in place for them so they're just trying to make it you know they're trying to figure it out themselves so why not use the, the resources that I have and apply it to, you know, the, my gift, which is writing and broadcast it to the world for others to be able to get to where they want to be, you know, where they want to be in their lives. So I thought that was important for me to, you know, put it all out, pen and pad and type it up and, and, and actually make it viable and insightful information to apply to other people's other young men's lives and women too. I, I had a few women tell me, you know, they read the book, the first book and they, they loved it as well. And they wanted to get, you know, other men involved, young men involved. Um, and it, it and for me, it, it's, it states, you know, it's the book is titled, uh, for millennial males, but, um, I had older gentlemen tell me, you know, it touched them as well. So, uh, for me, it was for all ages, you know, just to be able to take all the guidance and information that I received um, throughout my life and still learning as I go along and, and be helpful to someone else who's going through a situation or trial and they're not sure how, what, what am I supposed to do? Um, well, basically, you answered my question, which was, who is it written to and for? And I think it's written for everybody. Yeah, because the more we understand about not just people who are our peers, you know, but people in different generations, or or different, um, you know, parts of the world, parts of the country, parts of you know whatever. I mean, we are all, as you mentioned, 
uh, we're all human. Yeah. And we all live in the same place. (laughs) Absolutely. And so the the sooner we get to figure out how to get along, the better. And again, like I said, growing up in Detroit and going to school in an inner city school, I had to learn this too. And this was in the 60s when there was a lot of fear, which I think there's a lot of fear. It's almost come full circle. And there's yeah. a lot of fear yep. that, you know, a lot of these kids in the inner cities are living in today. So right. I think right. that your book is definitely for everybody. Now, how does it differ from the one to the female? Is it essentially the same or do you deal um, with different yeah, issues? That, that's, that's essentially the same. I think um, for specifically for um, millennial black females, they, they are, um, they have the same issues similarly to, black males but it's it's more so they're put on a higher pedestal um and i i kind of talk about that you know uh one of the titles um i have in the book the superwoman the superwoman complex um they're they're expected to have so much they're suspected expected to be this woman this particular woman and 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 so many things that she's facing that they don't that people don't really understand um all these priorities that they feel like society puts on on women in general but particularly black women um you know they 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 deal with different things that that far as a man i could never imagine so okay you know it, it's definitely um guided towards them to be able to um not only come out of trying to be what society wants them to be but also be uniquely guided for them for who they are, who God created them to be. So that, that was my, um, that was my thing for, uh, the second book. I do applaud you because you had to step out of your comfort zone to write these books, to (laughs) to share from various platforms, to take a stand among your peers and others. And you are a special young man and we we need to see more of this. And I, I am going to encourage everyone to buy the books, to share the books, to share the message, because this is crucial, this is important, and this is our future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So is there anything else, Derek, that you would like to say to either sum it up or in closing or to encourage or to motivate or challenge, whatever, whatever you would like to share? I just want to tell everybody to uh, one of the titles in the first book, uh, one of the chapters is called Dare to Be You. I challenge you to, to dare to be you. Um, do not allow um, your, your your situations or your circumstances to get in the way of who God created you to be, who you're supposed to be for your purpose. And also don't allow when you do get to that point and to your destination, don't get big hit. Continue to be who you are. Continue to be humble. To continue to good, allow good. yourself to um, to grow and to learn it and challenge yourself even more to get to higher heights. So I think that's important um, to always stay with that. Don't don't allow yourself to to <laughs> to get big headed um, and, and also just um, don't let anybody take you out of out of out, out of your character. Always remain who you are. Um, and no matter who likes it, who doesn't like it you know, to continue just to be who you are and and you're going to be fine. Well, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you spoke about humility, because I think that if most more people 
would realize how important how, excuse me how important humility is yes ma'am and it's yes, actually ma'am. something to be proud of <laughs> yes ma'am absolutely you know, that's, that's right because too. when you think you're you're something that you're not right you yeah. get into trouble dare to yeah. be you you hit it right there it's you you are who you are right. be proud of that walk in it don't allow circumstances to change that and as you said you will go far so again i thank you derek this has been awesome and i look forward to sharing your story well, thank you i appreciate it thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring carol graham Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.